Thanks for tuning into this episode of CannaCast. I'm your host, Eric Wallstatter, Eisner Amper's National Cannabis and Practice Leader. Please welcome my guest, David Medarek, founder and CEO of Team Screening. Team Screening provides background screening services to help employers make smart and fair hiring decisions. Team Screening's advanced technology platform makes background checks instant and easy while providing a pleasant candidate experience. David is also the co-founder of Hire Intelligently, a talent acquisition HR tech solution startup. Prior to launching Team Screening, David had a diverse career in the journalism, finance, and executive recruiting industries. David is also the co-founder of the Cannabis and Hemp Networking Association of New York, a group of which I am a member. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me, Eric. This is my first podcast, so really excited to be here, and let's talk about some background screening. That's great, David. What is, so tell everyone, what is a background search, and what its its objectives and goals? Sure. So the purpose of a background check is to vet potential employees prior to bringing them into your company. A background check can help mitigate risk and hopefully contribute to creating a safe workplace. That's not to say that someone who has a criminal record should automatically be disqualified from getting the job. Not at all. But it's my company's goal as a background screening vendor to legally and compliantly provide information so our clients, you know, the organization, can make a well-informed hiring decision. And lastly, I would say that someone could pass a background check and still stink at their job. Uh, we can't uh, you know, be held accountable for that, but a background check will certainly increase the odds of making a, a good, smart hire. David, why is it important for cannabis businesses to vet their employees? Yeah, Eric, so the cannabis industry is really one of the country's most transformative and fastest growing industries of our time, or at least of my time. And making you know informed hiring decisions is essential to helping any companies prosper and thrive. Uh, but now we're talking, you know, throwing in that we have this brand new industry, which cannabis is, you know, relatively brand new. Uh, the spotlight is shining bright on the industry. And, you know, like it or not, there are people who do want to see the industry fail. There is still a stigma surrounding it by, you know, a certain portion of the population, though thankfully that seems to be uh, less and less uh, every year. Uh, but, you know, just because of those reasons uh, alone, it makes it even more essential uh, for the cannabis industry to hire the best talents to really build a strong foundation of people. And, you know, that will hopefully uh, help to continually advance the industry down the right path. Now, this industry is, is a legal and compliance heavy industry. Are the rules different in each state? For cannabis? Yeah, Eric. So, you know, first of all, it, it is very, um, you know, legally um, and compliance um, heavy. You know, the laws are focused on, you know, protecting the rights of, of the employees, essentially. And, you know, just for example, in the last decade, uh, when it comes to employee background screening, there have been many lawsuits, some pretty big companies have been 
sued or lost class action lawsuits. We're talking about companies like Chipotle, Hertz, Amazon, uh, because somewhere along the background screening process, uh, they made an error on their end, and they had to pay the pay the price for that. So, you know, my company, as as a background screening company, you know, we have to be very careful. We have to be compliant at every step of the background screening process, and our clients have to do the same. And you know, we're here to help them and offer them a lot of guidance, but you know. They also have to follow uh, the laws and the processes on their end as well. Um, and then really as a background check company, you know, my company Team Screening, we have to comply with both federal laws, uh, which really specifically uh, are, are uh, based under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, as well as any state or local laws which usually come in one form or another of what's called ban the box. Uh, I don't want to get into that uh, in too much detail. Uh, I'm happy to have a conversation if anybody wants to reach out and learn more about, you know, the different variations of ban the box. Um, but to your point, the laws do vary from state to state. Our great state of New York, Eric, where we both uh, live and work, really has some of the more stringent laws in place when it comes to background screening. Um, really, the laws are, are geared to protect the employee and to give um, you know, someone who has a criminal record a fair chance to, to get a job. Um, in New York, it's actually called the Fair Chance Act, uh, which was passed several years ago. Um, so when it comes to background screening in New York and really being on top of the laws and regulations, I like to tell people, if you can make it background screening in New York, you can make it anywhere. Uh, maybe with the exception of California, which uh, might actually be a, a little more strict when it comes to background screening laws. Uh, but fortunately, we do work with clients all throughout the country uh, you know, and, and it's vital for us to continuously stay on top of, of all federal and local and, and state laws. Now, there are differences in doing a background search for a cannabis company as opposed to doing searches for some of those other companies you mentioned earlier. What are some of those differences in the search for those entities? Yeah, sure. So there are some differences, uh, but also some similarities. And there are still a lot of unknowns out there. Um, one ironic difference, at least here in New York, uh, when it comes to the card licenses, um, and that's uh, conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses. For those who don't know, uh, those were the uh, first licenses handed out in New York. And um, those were awarded to justice-involved individuals. So for the first time ever, we are doing many background checks where the applicant wants us to find the criminal record. Uh, so that's certainly a, a deviation from, from the norm. Um, but to your point, um, the cannabis industry does have some different background check requirements, uh, depending on the state and also depending on the vertical within cannabis. And there are different requirements for cannabis growers, processors, or retailers, and they can also uh, vary dramatically from state to state as well. 
Um, I think we'll probably touch on that uh, a little bit later. But yeah, it, there's actually absolutely differences um, when it comes to screening cannabis and and the mass market. And you kind of touched a little bit of why background checks of business owners are also important, especially in this industry as they prepare to to file license applications. Can you just expand upon that a little bit more? Why is why is it so important for a business owner to have a background check? Yeah, background checks for cannabis business owners, you know, typically requires you know, fairly robust screening. Um, and we also see um, a demand for uh, screening of the full team. So not just the, the appointed owner, but really the entire team that's going to be, you know, working with, with the owners. Um, you know, people want them screened. Um, one difference between, uh, you know, your typical background check for employment purposes and when it comes to background screening owners or licensees, is it does involve fingerprinting. Um, that is not something that my company or most background screening companies do, but it's certainly something that we can help facilitate. Um, but but why is it important to uh, screen business owners? You know, there are really a lot of reasons that I can think of. Uh, for starters, the company is registered with the state. Um, most likely, there are investors involved and investments. Um, in some instances, you may get funding from government agencies. Um, and the owners, they're dealing with, you know, the financials, the fiduciary responsibilities. They're dealing with, you know, employees and hiring. So, you know, it, it is really important that we're getting, you know, people who, um, you know, could pass a background check, um, you know, for these positions. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but in any new industry, you're going to have people who try to take advantage of a new marketplace where the rules are, you know, in many instances still being formed. Um, you know, people are still getting their footing and kind of learning as, as we go along and, and as things continue to evolve and change. So, you know, for those many reasons, I think it's important to, um, you know, background check business owners in the cannabis space. And what is badging? And is it important to this industry? Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's required in most, if not all states. Um, I would consider badging, you know, to be a best practice. It's, um, you know, essentially issuing ID badges to employees in the cannabis industry. Um, and they can be used to identify employees, track their access to cannabis facilities. Um, and a big part of the badging process is passing a background check. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's important. It helps improve security. Um, it helps uh, companies, you know, manage, um, you know, the employees, keep track of employees. And again, just create a, a safer, uh, more secure uh, working environment. You mentioned earlier correctly that there are a number of different types of licenses, in particular in New York State, and in every state there are different licenses, whether they be dispensaries, growers, delivery, consumption lounges. How different is the background check for the different licenses that someone can obtain? You know, cannabis is one of the most heavily regulated industries um, we have in the U.S. And, and for people breaking into the industry, Full compliance with the regulations is key. You know, you want to avoid legal troubles. Uh, you want to avoid bad optics for the industry. Um, so, yeah, it's really important for, you know, this cannabis industry um, to, to have 
you know, a, a pretty high level of background screening. Uh, and to your point, there are different requirements for various verticals within the cannabis space. You know, one example is cultivators, right? So they have a ton of responsibility um, and they would typically be subject to a more, you know, more extensive background check. Um, you know, regulations may require a, a thorough review of their criminal history. Um, you know, they're going to be involved in a lot of transactions. Um, you know, a, a look into their financial background um, would usually be advisable. Um, but then on the other, you know, side of things, you have, let's say, someone who's an employee at a consumption lounge where, you know, you might want to do some sort of vetting, but but certainly, you know, we're not talking about looking into their financials or doing perhaps as robust as a background check for a cultivator. Um, another example would be uh, delivery personnel, right? They're responsible for transporting the products. Um, what's key there really is that someone has a clean driving record. Um, you want to be able to ensure uh, you know, your drivers. And in order to do so, you have to make sure that, you know, their driving record is clean. Um, and you may also uh, want them to pass a, a criminal records check as well. So, um, you know, just to summarize, um, you know, it's very important to screen in the cannabis industry. And there are different levels of requirements and, uh, you know, different levels of background screenings for the different verticals uh, within the space. David, how big is the current workforce in this industry and where do you expect it to go? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so the most recent statistics that I've come across show the current cannabis workspace at about 425K, 425,000, um, which is actually down a little bit from last year. Um, I think last year I saw numbers like closer to 440,000 in, in 2022. Um, some of this can be attributed to uh, your normal economic factors like inflation, you know, higher interest rates. Uh, but then there's there's cannabis related factors as well. Um, you know, a pretty significant drop in the price of cannabis has occurred over the last year. Um, demand is down a little bit post COVID. We've seen a little bit of a drop in demand. Um, but in terms of where is the industry going, uh, you know, in terms of workforce, you know, I think growth is expected to come back this year from everything that I'm reading. Um, hopefully, you know, we've avoided, um, you know, recession and the, the economy is, seems to be getting on better footing, hopefully, like I said. Um, and then with, you know, new states opening up, you know, especially here on the East Coast, you know, pretty significant states like New York. And New Jersey, uh, throw Connecticut in there. Um, you know, with these states opening up, there should definitely be a much higher, um, you know, demand and need for uh, cannabis workforce. David, how does federal legalization, or for a better way to call it, the illegality at the federal level, impact the work you do? And when do you foresee, if at all, federal legalization in this industry? Well, okay, so so two questions there. Um, so the first question, how does legalization, federal legalization impact the work we do? I think it makes the work we do even more important. Um, once you have Fortune 500 companies involved in cannabis, um, I believe there will be higher standards, especially when it comes to 
you know, HR, human resources, and adhering to policies, um, specifically background checks, but also things like sexual harassment training, employee handbooks, you know, annual compliance training. A lot of these um, HR requirements are going to come even more into the fold uh, once there is federal legalization. And then with federal legalization, you know, banks will be able to get involved. And then banks have their own set of requirements, you know, talk about KYC and AML. So, you know, really, I just think it ramps up, um, you know, the, the, the necessity to adhere to, you know, policies once federal legalization is in place. Um, and, you know, as far as uh, when do I foresee it, if at all, uh, you know, Eric, people have been predicting um, either the, you know, descheduling or rescheduling for the last 10 years. Um, unfortunately, it has not happened. It's very politically driven, uh, which probably makes it even harder to forecast. Uh, but, you know, from what I'm reading, from what I see, if I had to take a guess, um, it really looks like the federal government has been uh, reviewing cannabis's current legal status. Uh, supposedly, they're going to conclude, make their conclusions by the end of the year. Um, and then really goes to the, you know, the current administration to, to review and, and make a decision. Um, so, you know, we've been down this road before, but I do think, you know, as early as 2024 or 2025, um, I do believe cannabis will either be rescheduled or uh, descheduled, if I had to guess. It's interesting. I think when we had the last election and we had a Democratic president, a Democratic House, Democratic Senate, we all thought, oh, this is done. It's going to happen. But it didn't happen. And that kind of window kind of closed. So we're kind of back at square one. So uh, like you, I'm, I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be. I might be a little bit more pessimistic than you are right now, but we'll see. And finally, David, in addition to your other work, you're a co-founder of an organization called the Cannabis and Hemp Networking Association of New York, a group of which I am also a member. Tell us a little bit about that group and this organization and what it does and how you came about creating that group. Oh, thanks, Eric. Yeah, so CHNA, um, Cannabis and Hemp Networking Association, CHNA New York, um, something that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, even as near and dear to my heart as background screening. Uh, but, you know, we are a, a nonprofit business networking group. Um, you know, we, we are comprised of professionals in New York and, you know, some of, you know, maybe some New Jersey, Connecticut people, but primarily New Yorkers who are professionals and doing work in the cannabis space. Um, the group was founded at the end of 2019. Um, and really the goal was to build lasting relationships with other professionals in the space share ideas, share market intelligence, help each other navigate, you know, the continual changes um, in New York, in the cannabis space, um, hopefully be able to support each other's businesses and, you know, provide business referrals, um, introductions. Um, as my uh, co-founder, Frank uh, Manganello likes to say, we are not an events group. Um, you know, we are really just a tight-knit, uh, well-represented networking group. Um, but we really work with a lot of local um, groups as well. We're close with the local 388. Uh, we worked closely with 
uh, CUNY Queens College when uh, you know they were closely looking into creating some sort of curriculum for for um, you know their students within cannabis. Um, and then we also have CHNA Ventures, um, you know, which is really um, pooling all the resources and the expertise of the group's members um, to help, um, you know, license holders um, with, with some of their needs. Um, so, yeah, it's been really exciting. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, there's roughly 30 members. And one unique thing about CHNA is we don't like to have a lot of overlap. So we'll have our CPA of the group, you know, Eric, um, we'll have our insurance person, our business attorney, our commercial real estate uh, individual, our real estate attorney. So really not a lot of overlap. We would respect uh, each person's kind of profession and let them be that uh, representative of that profession within the group. And please reach out. Um, We're always looking to grow the group where we have, you know, open seats. So yeah, please reach out and would love to discuss more. You can come check out one of our monthly breakfast meetings. Always really productive and, and you know, a great time and a great group of people. So thanks for asking about that, Eric. I appreciate it. Great. And thanks for joining me here today, David. Thank you. This was great. And thanks for listening to Canacast as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit www.eisneramper.com slash cannabis for more information and podcasts. Also, please visit www.teamscreening.com for more information about Team Screening and David. And join us for our next Canacast podcast, where we'll discuss other budding issues. Thank you.